Welcome to the Empowered Spirit Show. This is your host, Terry Ann Hyman. I'll explore the connection to the human spirit in a way that helps to navigate your life, including crisis. I am passionate about helping you to open up to your intuition and the metaphysical world of spirit to find your confidence and your own inner guidance. Take a pause, be inspired, learn ways to show up focused, centered, and more dynamic in your everyday life. Welcome back to the Empowered Spirit Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me today. This episode is being brought to you by Forecast, located in Homewood, Alabama. Forecast is a hair salon on a mission to shape a movement in the beauty industry, focusing on education, fashion, and creativity. Forecast strives to train stylists with the latest in education to provide their guests with the latest trends. Follow them on Instagram at Forecast Salon or find them online at ForecastSalon.com. As this podcast goes to air, we're in the waning phase of the moon with lots of transits going on in the cosmos, breaking up the status quo. Can you feel this in your own life? I know I do. Little by little, I am seeing shifts in my life. What about you? Are you afraid of it? Are you resisting the changes coming forward? Are you afraid to get out of the comfort zone that you find yourself in? There is a lot of change going on. We are in a time of evolution. How you adapt is a big part of this. Getting out of your comfort zone and breaking free of your old fears is very important. Finding ways to tend to the struggles of your life with the rights for your everyday can add inspiration, amusement, and joy. Rights being Reiki, intuition, tarot, EFT, and stones and crystals. It can free you from the excess stress that is going on in the world. All of these cosmic forces and energy alignments I talk about on my Energy Focus for the Week, which you can find live on Sunday nights on Instagram and Facebook. We talk about what's going on, we align our energy, set intentions for the week, and I pull the tarot cards for guidance. Join me or catch the replay. As we move through these cosmic transitions, now is the time to clean up your energy with an energy clearing session. Schedule one in person or online. When you work with the energy body, it helps to release the old patterns and all that old stuff. Links will be in the show notes. When you start going within and connecting to your soul and your spirit, you will find your answers. I have just a few spots left for my private mentoring this winter, the Empowered Spirit Program. Warning, this work will change your life. It can seriously improve your body, mind, and spirit. Side effects, yes, you may see yourself or others as they really are. You may experience loss of excess baggage, resulting in major life changes. You may become the person you're really meant to be. You may see yourself standing up, speaking your truth, excelling in your work. You will learn lots of energy tools, techniques, ways to center your energy, get rid of the energy drains, Reiki attunements to lift your vibration, and how to remove the limited beliefs that hold you back. My students are saying they are understanding their energy so much better. They aren't taking on other people's energy, their intuition is growing, they aren't holding on to old emotions, and even feeling happier in their lives. Schedule a spiritual upgrade breakthrough call with me, and let's talk about how my programs can help you. In today's episode, I wanted to talk about a subject I know I have struggled with for many years. Actually, my entire life. Food. Eating. Do you feel guilty about eating good food? 
I know this time of year, with all the New Year's resolutions, coming to the end of winter, spring on its way, many of us start to restrict what we're eating. In our culture, pure, simple, yet tasty food is hard to find. My guest today, Emily Francis, brings her view on eating in her latest book, The Taste of Joy. We talk about being shamed for our weight, eating habits, how you are soulfully feeding your life, what are the seeds you are planting, happiness, why many resist happiness, farming, the simple yet powerful taste of lemons, limes, good salt, olives, gratitude, and so much more that go into making amazing meals to enjoy. Before we begin, let's take a moment to pause, center, and set an intention for happiness. So wherever you are, if you can, close your eyes. Taking a nice deep inhale, bringing the breath up the body. And exhale, pulling that breath all the way down. Grounding, centering. Inhale, bringing the breath up the body. And as you exhale, call in your energy, call in your spirit. Inhale, bringing the breath up the body. And exhale, bringing that breath down, dropping into the heart, right in the deepest part of your heart. Feel that connection that you have with your spirit and the greater spirit. Know that you are known. Know that you are loved and supported. Feeling all this energy come in as we call in the masters, the teachers, the archangels for joy and happiness, the crystal beings for protection and magnification, calling in your own spirit guides, feeling all this energy coming in around you as you take a moment and notice where you are on this great wheel of life. Here in this hemisphere, we find ourselves in the season of winter. And as I teach in the medicine wheel in the direction of the north, where we go in deep, we look to our dreams and our visions, to the wisdom of our ancestors to understand our place in life. Calling in the directions to the north, the east, the south and the west, above us, below us, right into the very center, setting an intention for happiness in your life and allowing those elevated emotions to radiate out all around you. Taking another deep inhale and exhale, grounding, centering, opening up that third eye energy as you bring your awareness back, coming back.
A. Francis is a highly sought-after speaker, best-selling author, and wellness expert with an array of education and experience spanning over 25 years. Her knowledge of the body and the body-mind connection is extensive, and her commitment to total body, mind, and spirit wellness is her driving force. Emily has a BS in exercise science and wellness, a minor in nutrition, and a master's degree in physical education human performance. She hosts the internet radio show All About Healing on Healthy Life Radio. In moving to Malta, Emily has become deeply involved with local food production on the island. She writes a regular column titled Emily in Malta in a local tourism magazine, Oh My Malta, where she interviews local farmers, fishermen, and chefs on single-ingredient farming. Her latest book, The Taste of Joy, Mediterranean Wisdom for a Life Worth Savoring, brings her to the show today. So let us welcome Emily to the show. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So I had to look up Malta on the map. I had to really see where it was. I kind of knew Mediterranean. And so I, I was excited to look it up. And as I was telling you, my son was just down there south of Italy, right there at the bottom, getting engaged this summer. So it was all the excitement coming forward to talk about this subject of taste and food, Mediterranean wisdom, and bring it forward for our listeners to really feel that inspiration and also to really ask the questions that you're asking in the book, because it is so much more than a cookbook. How do you feed your soul? I'd love to ask you, like, what led you to writing this book? Well, when we moved here in 2020, I've been a body worker for over 20 years. I've been studying body healing for 25 plus years of my life. And when my husband got this opportunity to move with the company to Malta, the exchange was, I don't have a work visa. So all of a sudden it was like, okay, what do I want to do? (laughs) And how do I make it happen when I'm not allowed to work? So it's really been incredible to make this new life for myself and not negotiate my worth in dollar figures. So I went to the tourism Mm. magazine. I went to all the magazines. Let's be honest. I went to every place and everybody blew me off. And then I went to the tourism magazine and I said, I'm an American author. I want to write an article. And I said, no, that's not true. I want to write a column. And they wrote back and they said, look, we would love to have you join our team. We really would. But full disclosure, we can't afford you. And I wrote back and I said, "Uh, I'm willing to write in exchange for publicity. And then and then we ended up on the phone. And what happened was this is a GMO free country, which was the number one thing I wanted in my life was to live in a country where genetically modified organisms were banned. And Malta was the first of the EU to put a full ban on GMOs. So as we were talking, me and the editor. I started talking about my love for Maltese potatoes because they, they taste really pure. And a standard American potato is bleached five times, five rounds of toxic wow. sprays and chemicals before it ever reaches your plate. And here it comes right out of this really healthy alkaline soil and it tastes different. You can tell. And so she said, okay, let's give you a shot. I don't want you to just write an article though. I want to put you on camera. Go find a farmer and see what we can do. And so I had 24-hour turnaround to find a potato farmer who grows them for Air Malta, and he was the sweetest, most charming man, and he's exactly why I love the Maltese farming community. And so when I called and he said yes, he said, now remember, I am Maltese, which means if you get lost any place on the island, you just call me and I will come to pick you up. I will bring you here. 
the man was the kindest. And he let me dig the potatoes out of the earth. And it's like digging for Easter eggs. But because of the, the level of soil here, and, and there's so much limestone inside the soil, so it makes it really alkaline, they look fake. It looks like he took a pile of potatoes, scrubbed them off, and then put them back under for me to find. They were perfection. Wow. And so all of a sudden, my editor looked up and she goes, that's it, you're doing all foods. And so for more than two years, I have followed the seasonal foods and found the farmers that grow them. And we have discovered these these multi-generational farmers that have had these in their family for over 100 years. And I've met the strawberry farmers, the flat peaches, the artichokes, the prickly pears, the potatoes, the sea salt that's been in their family since the 1800s, the specialty foods. And so I, it's not a cookbook as far as it has recipes, but I'm not a chef. I'm not a, I'm, I can cook. But what I followed and what I've learned is individual, seasonal, mindful eating for per ingredient. So I'm not, I'm not dancing around doing a bunch of big meals. I'm doing who grows the artichokes? Who can I find? Where is this fabulous sea salt? Where's the pans that work? Where is, uh, you know, the prickly pears are shocking. The tomatoes are amazing. The food here is just, it's different. And they, they only eat according to season. So when it's not in season, it's not here. It's not at the store. And, and, Unlike the old grocery stores where you had to go to the organic section, there is none. It's all organic. So you have one line of, of potatoes, one line of cauliflower, one line of lettuce. And, and I mean, think about that. Think about this, really. Let's go all the way to the nth degree, even fast food. They get the food from here. You're talking about organic fast food. I mean, it's just <laughs> different. You're talking about the lettuce, tomato, onions. They're all what we would consider organic. And so there's something to that. So I've followed these farmers and fallen madly in love with every single one of them because I have been embraced into a culture and a community that's super protective and tight knit. And yet they've allowed me in. And so I have a new life and it feeds my soul in a way that I never have understood to this level until now. So I wrote the book as my love letter to these people to honor them and what they want to teach the world. That's it. That's where I'm at now. Wow. That's big though. You said so <laughs> much there. So let's, yeah, kind of break all of that down. Cause yeah, definitely no GMOs for sure. Oh my gosh. And eating in season. I mean, I, I, I did mention to you that, you know, growing up, I was an emotional eater. And so I was one of those that like shame myself. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. And it's taken me a very, very long time to really embrace a healthy eating for me where I can actually go, I can eat this and I love this and I love that. But as I also mentioned over the holidays, I think many of us do this. I got off track, you know, eating more. And so I was trying to figure out like, how can I bring my diet back? And of course, my first thing is I'll never eat again, right? <laughs> Which <laughs> I can't do, right? That's just not possible. And so I was like, okay, I have to limit how much I mean. Like, okay, wait a minute. So I actually found a beautiful alkalining cleanse that really kind of, you know, appreciates the simple. And so it's like some juicing, but there is recipes, there is food. So it's not like I'm starving, but it brought me back to the idea of let's go simple. And so I love that in your book too, like different spices and things that don't necessarily go together, but even the value of just like orange and lemon and bringing it forward and making the salads and the salad dressing. So I really did resonate with a lot of what you're saying now and also what you had in the book and even, you know, just how you even kind of start the idea of what is it that feeds your soul? 
symbolically, literally, spiritually? I love that question. And I think right now, many people are searching again. Like, what is it? it I do too. And I think for me, moving out of the country and into a foreign land, I'm not a traveler by nature. My children had never been on an airplane until we're flying to Amsterdam for our layover to our new life in Malta with three dogs and a cat. I mean, this is not, this is so out of my comfort zone, but it turned out to be fantastically amazing. But it's also because I came with my heart wide open. I want to learn all the culture. And there's so many different people from the surrounding countries. And so I listen. I listen to everything and anything that people want to teach me. And, and it, the, the question, what is the life you want to create that will feed your soul? I ask that because I never knew the answer. And now I do. And I feel really nourished. And and one of the things to your point about the eating and, and some shame, I want to bring this up. I was a college cheerleader 20 years ago. We got weighed in every other week. We were always told we were too fat, too this, too that. I was so hot back then. I'm kill for that body now. But back then, you just stand in front of the mirror and pick. And then I drew people to me for many years to come that would you'd be so hot if you'd lost 20 pounds, you'd be this, you'd be that. And they convinced me that I would never have a, a career of my choosing because of the way I look. And then I moved to Malta and I'm a middle-aged mother who's definitely not with the body that I used to have. And never in a million years did I think, let's put me on camera. That was a shocking revelation that somebody said, I want to put you on camera. And the amazing thing, here's where it gets really good to me. Our tomato interview had 64,000 views the first week, the first week. And then I started to see hundreds of comments and I braced myself. Oh my gosh, they're going to talk about how short and fat and round and they're going to, oh, they're going to just terrorize me. Just be prepared. Guess what? Not one comment, not one was about me. Not one. They were all about the farmer. Way to go, Joseph. We love you, Joseph. We're so proud of you, Joseph. It was, it was all this Maltese. We're so excited. And that means two things. One, they are not interested in what I look like. They just want to know if I'm good people and what do I need to bring to the table. And two, I did my job, which was to highlight the farmer. And that's what I did. And that's what came across. And that's what people celebrated. And that was eye-opening to me because I come from a place where it would have been, you need Botox, you need to do your hair, you need this. This outfit does not flatter you. You should drop some weight. That's what we're so accustomed to. And I hate to, to single it out, but it does feel like really an American situation. And then you get to another place and they're just not looking at that. And it's it feels like I have become naked in the best way. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I love that idea. Naked in the best way. And I agree. I think it is an American thing. I was down in Mexico, eight and eight and eight. We did a lot of walking, came home, had gained nothing. And I've been to Italy, same thing, France, same thing. And enjoying the food, enjoying the bread and the butter and the wine. It's like, yeah, it's just such a different culture, especially when you slow down. Yes. And I do have a habit of preparing foods and eating fast. And one thing this cleanse is showing me is like, this takes prep. Like, I can't rush it. And let me just appreciate and have some gratitude and some happiness. And I'm feeling better and I'm feeling more alert. And quite honestly, I'm not eating anything different, but it's the approach and taking my time and getting back to some of the simplistic forms of what food is around me right now. And so I definitely agree with that. You know, you even talk about like how the idea of happiness and why people struggle with allowing themselves to be happy. I think that's a really big point. 
I mean, we just touched this because people, I think it's a, I think it's a response that we're conditioned with that if we're happy, it's terrifying because that means something bad's going to swoop us in and, and kick our butts and we're going to be down. But over here, what I've noticed is that people are happy when they feel happy. People work when they need to work and they play when they're, when there's time to play and they don't feel guilty for it. And that translates into feeling happy. You know, a lot of times when we allow ourselves to feel happy, we freak out or we've got that second voice going, you're not supposed to be happy. You got to get to work. You should be doing, and you got should, should, should. Here, you don't really hear those words that the whole dialogue is very different over here. And what I've noticed is that people don't freak out. They want to have a good time. They want to enjoy. And then tomorrow they're going to go back to work. There's a lot of this. Eh, it'll sort itself out. There's a lot of that. Just do your best. The rest, it'll that. sort itself out. You know, and I, I needed more of that in my life. I really did. And it's the way people approach life over here. And it's the way they approach. It's both. It's all. Yeah, it is the way they approach it and the way they approach the food and the lifestyle. And yeah, I think sometimes people are like, oh, it's too good to be true. You know, something else must be happening. But I think, you know, we're at a point in humanity, I believe, from everything we've been through these last several years, like we need to be asking these questions and finding that lifestyle. And I think, you know, the whole work life thing has started to be addressed. People are seeing there's other ways of working. And I think it's really important in our culture that we do embrace all aspects of this and including the way in which we have our meals and how we sit down and, and really enjoy them. So many people I work with, they work, work, work. They don't even take lunch at their desk doing this, you know, shoving the food in and they don't even take the and time. They take pride in that. That to them yeah. is an identity. That to them yeah. is I work so hard all the time. I never put things down and I want you to admire this about me, but I don't admire that about you because you've lost your way. That's, that's the hard part. And, and honestly, the foods here, the, the real simplicity of the food and going seasonal, they have the different foods that are in season. They have their own personality. They really do. And they have so many things that they can teach you about life. And that's what I, that's what I tried to follow in the book was like olives. I, I never knew how much I love olive oil trees. Now they're like, they're like my jam. I have four in my yard. And so far I've grown one single olive one. And I'm so proud of it. And I can't wait till this year because I'm going to have an olive season for the first time ever. But watching the way that things grow, you can apply them to your life. Like uh, one of the things I talk about is almonds. We have a lot of almonds here. And um, there's only two kinds of almonds on the island. And one tastes sublime and one tastes totally rancid. And guess what? The only way you can tell the difference, you have to take a bite and find out. They're the same color. They have the same leaves. They emit the same scent. They, there's no distinguishing feature. You just have to take a bite and find out. Isn't that life? That is so funny. Yeah, I did not know that. I know there's a couple of different kind of almonds. Uh, I'm trying to remember the one that is like a little flatter, a little more tasty. We don't grow those. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Those are Marcona almonds. Yes, yes, and yes. Those are not grown here. Yeah. And so we don't have them. Okay. But the, but the almonds yeah. here... There's just two types. Or here's an interesting little fun fact. An almond tree, a peach tree, or an olive tree are the only trees that have male and female branches in the same one tree. The female branches are what grows the fruit, just like in life, just That's like amazing. a human. Yeah. Where do you want to find the fruit? You have to find a female tree. But on those trees, they're all in one. 
That's it's neat. It's just cool, right? Yeah, that is really cool when you get really down to the land and the earth. So in your book, The Taste of Joy, you really do break down. I love that. You start with the aperitif, like how that prepares you for the meal, you know, and you talk a little bit about that. And that was like one of the things that like took me for a moment to say, you know, I'm always in a rush. And like, what a great metaphor for life too. It's like, let me just slow down and prepare myself for this meal. And I love the way you did that. You talked about the appetizers, you get into the spices of life. I thought that was a lot of fun too. Like what particular spices and how you can take regular food or the same food and change the spices and it's going to taste all the different ways. It's a totally different food. Yeah. It's a, like you can take a piece of chicken and then add marjoram and, uh, and sage and uh, oregano. And all of a sudden you have an Italian chicken, but you add paprika and black pepper and you've got a Spanish chicken. You know, it's, it's, where do you want to be? Yeah. And even just adding those little spices, you can change the dynamic of your own meal that day. Put it on some chickpeas, add that paprika, add that spice. I never, I had never heard of, um, za'atar or, uh, sumac. Sumac is a flowering spice. They add it to a lot of vegetables hmm. over here. I'd never heard of it in my life. And then I took a class at the Mediterranean Culinary Academy and they're like, add sumac here. It's in there. And my friend and I, who's Italian, who's a, a, a great cook. She's like, I found sumac. I brought you one, you know, so now we both have it in our cabinets because we've never heard of those things, but they do, they elevate the dish and why not? Don't you want to, yeah. don't you want not just your dish, but your life to be just a little bit more elevated and we can learn it one way or the other. We can learn it from food or we can learn it by trying something else and then meeting in the middle. But we deserve, everybody deserves to live just a little bit more free. Oh, I so agree. I so agree. And I was also getting inspired, like, okay, you know, spring, what herbs do I want? I didn't really grow a lot of vegetables, but I definitely grow herbs. And actually I did plant a fig tree and I had my first two figs last year. We had a really hard winter. I don't know what's going to happen, but I did. And I'm really super grateful for that. Figs are massive. Figs are really, really important because they're a spiritual barometer of how your the world around it is going. Mm. And so the fig tree, the fact that you even had two says that, that your fig tree is happy and that this year they're going to bear fruit. Hopefully so. Hopefully that really eight degree weather in the middle of December in Alabama did not kill it. And I will say, I'll just credit Baldwin Farms. They're amazing and they grow great stuff and it came from them and they have this beautiful family and they're very much in the earth. So yeah, I agree. It probably did come from a lot of that. Great. I did want to jump in and talk a little bit about something you talked about in the main course, the bread. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Oh, I love the bread. The bread is not made with preservatives here. So it only lasts two days, no matter what. And the government subsidizes bread here so that your loaf of bread doesn't exceed one euro. One euro. So you actually have fresh bread farmers of the, the bakeries come with their bread trucks and people stand outside with their euros and they drop off buns or loaves or whatever you've ordered. Um, bread must be fresh. People here just love a basket of bread and good olive oil. It's really all we need. It is a meal. You're done. Like you can do that. You can add some beautiful tomatoes. It's it's a really special uh, way to come together. Bread is a big deal here. And one of the things that I was really lucky to do is I visited the prison, the prison bakery, where they make over 4,000 loaves of bread each week. And even in the prison, there's only one prison in Malta. So you actually have your super hardcore criminals on one end and then your lighter stuff on one end, your women's place on the next building. It's all in one land. And um, we got to go into the bakery at six in the morning 
and watch them make the bread for the day. And one of the things I loved is that these inmates, they actually earn uh, a euro a day, I think. And you can buy your own groceries from the money that you make. And one of the men who uh, made uh, Fatira, the round sourdough bread, actually made us a whole sandwich, which would be the full Fatira. So he did out of his own money, cheese and ham and tomatoes and fresh creamy butter. And he served it to us because people here, even in prison, serve their guests, treat their guests well, you know, behave in a different way than I am accustomed to. And it was really spectacular to be in such a place and learn how they make the bread and watch the camaraderie and also to watch them have a work ethic that hopefully will serve them once they get out for the rest of their lives. But bread is the first food in Malta to ever be accepted into UNESCO's heritage of humanity. And it just happened last year. And it was the fatira. It was the round sourdough because it fosters such family dynamic and humanity here in this island. So bread's super, super special. Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, I mean, even from a spiritual aspect, breaking the bread and being with community and opening up, which you talk about in that chapter as well. It was really inspiring to hear that. And even you talked about like the rhythm that they were doing when they were beating the yes. dough and turning it all, right? It's, like it's just symphony. like such a beautiful thing. Yeah. It was amazing. It really was like a symphony. And it was, there was this moment, I'm standing in the bakery and my editor is with me and this bird keeps flying in from outside because they're open. They have this tree right outside and this bird is in the branch and then in the bakery up on the, on the wires or whatever, on the pipes. And he's looking down and then he flies back out and I point him out to one of the inmates and the inmate said, Oh, he's usually here with two others. They come every day. And I looked at my editor who's 20 years younger than me. And I said, Oh my gosh, Maya Angelou, I know why the caged bird sings. She's like, what? It's not here. Maya Angelou is not sold here. It's not here mm -hmm. in Malta at all. She knew nothing of what I was talking about. But what I realized in that moment was I'm standing inside the cage and the only thing that's free was the bird. Mm. And that was poignant to me, really special. And then the bird climbs down on the ground when they're putting the bread through the slicer and all these crumbs are going and the bird's just eating and the, and the men don't mind. They're not kicking it. They're not being mean. They're like, oh, it's cool. We're sharing. We're here. And the bird just ate it up and then like looked at me like, ah, and then like went back out to the trees and sat in the branch. And it just was really, I just feel like here, because life is so simple, you have to think there's no box stores. There's no Walgreens or CVS. There's no Target. There's no Walmart. There's no Amazon. There's no Amazon. Like, so everything that you buy is usually locally made. And then when you do buy something, you really stop and go, do I really need this? What are the things I really need? It's so amazing. And, you know, you talk about the bread and you look here and you go to the grocery store and you see all these shelves and like half of them are like white bread, white bread, modified, can't eat it. Right. And it's like then you have a very little limited area of where the whole grain to the sprouted grains and they're like triple the cost. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much have taken bread out of my diet because of the having trouble with, you know, the gluten and all that because it's so modified. And it's when I go out of the country or places that I know that it's really good, then I can have it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because they're not sprayed with glyphosate. That's really what this, unless you are really, truly celiac, all that gluten intolerance is because of glyphosate. It doesn't exist here. It is full banned. 
it's it's a big deal. So, I, you know, because of all the years, and my minors in nutrition, but also because of all the years I've studied body healing and and I've helped my children through a lot of different challenges. That's why I wanted to be someplace where where they could go to a birthday party and not have to bring their gluten-free cupcakes or whatever I had to make special. And now they don't they're not on those diets anymore. They just they just eat and the food tastes it honestly it took me a little while to get used to that kind of food because I'm so used to the extra zesty and the bright orange and the bright colors and the that it took me a long time to kind of reorchestrate my palate to think that just the zest of an orange would be so lively because at first it didn't feel like enough it felt like everything was bland because I was so used to heavy heavy seasoning that's not real and so I it, it took some it took some re repositioning for my body to go oh now when I have the zest of a tangerine or the zest of an orange and oh my favorite lemons it just tastes so and, and it's interesting because I'm a chocolateaholic I love chocolate so much and we do a lot of chocolate here but what I've found is that when it comes to to desserts here the lime and the lemon always choose it always choose it it's the best mm, I love that and you know what even in your book when you come to the chapter on desserts count your blessings celebrate everything yeah. yes yeah, and that conditioning, no, I can't have dessert. Well, maybe we can have dessert as we count our blessings. How much of a win is that? That's just beautiful concept, yeah. And they serve smaller. They serve little squared things of this lime, and it's sugary, but it's also like you don't need a lot. Or those coconut balls are the, the prima donna of Malta. They're everywhere. That's why I put them in the book. They even teach the kids how to make them in school. They're tiny little coconut balls that you can add whiskey or you don't have to or bourbon or whatever. We don't. I don't like alcohol in my food. Um, and so the coconut balls, they're perfect size and you don't feel gross. You don't feel guilty, but you also had something sweet to go with your coffee or whatever you want to have after your meal. Yeah, there is something to be said about having just a little sweetness after to just to kind of like finish. I'm done, yes. right? And feel that gratitude for it for real. Yeah, I love it. I love the concept, especially for someone like me that has struggled with eating all my life, right? And even just like even right now in the week that I'm in and doing the cleanse, it is getting back to the simple parts and taking away all the extras one thing at a time. And it is really showing me, you know, how much just a banana can taste so good, you know? And like, I'm a big, I'm a big one on lemons as well. So a little lemon and olive oil is like, oh my God, this is amazing. Add a little garlic. Yeah. Right. And the simplicity of it really is the empowering part. And then to have the results of bright eyed and feeling so good, you know, yes. I was up at a, you know, 6am yoga class today, you know, it's like, let's yeah. do it. Right. But You're it is clean. You're clean. It is. It is. Yeah. And food can do that so much for us. And I think, you know, a lot of times in our culture here in the States, it's like we forget food is our medicine. It really is. And it what is. we put in really matters on how we feel each and every day. You know, and I know for me, you know, go back to old habits, eating all the junk and eating all the stuff. And then I couldn't stop eating, couldn't stop eating, you know, and it's like, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this picture. This morning, coming back from yoga, I was hurt. He listening to NPR and they were talking about a drug you can take that'll help you feel like you're full and makes you lose weight. But the minute you stop it, you gain all that weight back. And it's like oh, $1,400 yeah. a month. I cannot think of the drug name. But it's like, Ozempic. Come on. It's Ozempic. There I, you go. I still watch American TV. You know, in, in, in Malta, in the EU, uh, pharmaceutical co uh, commercials are illegal. Yeah. Illegal. But I still be. watch American TV. So I know all about it because 
Oh, 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 is that big? Oh, bad. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I don't pay much attention to it, but this caught my ear. You know, I was like, oh my gosh. And now this woman who who changed jobs, new insurance, can't afford it. And she's gained all of her weight back and feels even worse than when she started. But here's the, here's the thing. It's like, take this book, break it down, dare to be different, have a new dream. I think all of this comes together in what you've written for us to really kind of start to understand where we are right now. We need to make changes. Every one of us needs to make changes. Nothing is the same anymore. So let it start with how you nourish your soul. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, for sure. Where would you like me to direct people to find your book and all your work? Tell us a little bit more. You have a podcast. You have other books. I have. I do. I have uh, several books on body healing, on the muscles and, and how they relate to human emotion. So I, I'm the author of Stretch Therapy, The Body Heals Itself, Whole Body Healing, Healing Ourselves Whole. And then uh, you can find everything, though, on MyMaltaLife.com, MyMaltaLife.com. And that'll take you to my interviews with all these farmers. So if you do read this book and, and I mention their first names, go to My Malta Life and look up Emily and Malta. All my, oh my, because I write for the magazine, Oh My Malta. And I have all the interviews. They're all videos. So you can see these people for yourself. So whatever image you conjure up in your head when you're reading about them, Go and look up Paul the potato farmer. Go have fun and, and go to his fields and watch his, you know, his place there. I was on the traditional Maltese fishing boat in one of these interviews, and, and they bring back Lampuki, which is baby mahi mahi, before they migrate your way. But this stuff is so special. So if you, if I mention a name and you think, oh, I wonder what they look like, they're all there. Every interview of all these people. So go and go to My Malta Life and browse around. Go to Emily and Malta tabs and see these people. They're, they're such characters and I love them so much and I want the world to see them. I love that. Yeah. And I will say, I'll just give a shout out to one of my dear girlfriends, a woman farmer here in Birmingham, outside of Birmingham, Love Life Farms. And really, I think she's in her second year and it's just been incredible to watch her journey. It's not easy. My mother's family comes from farmers, are farmers in Arkansas. So I can really get behind that, the pecans and go and see the pecan trees now, how big they are. All right. All of that. And But her farm is really great. And to see how much she's done. So yeah, give her a shout out and how exciting to go and look at your work and see all the different farmers that you're talking about. That's just wonderful. And get the book for sure. I love it. I think it's such an important thing that all of us need starting from the root and starting from that seed. And as we, you know, start to get ready for spring, it's like, what seeds are you planting outside and inwardly as well? So yeah, for sure. So I know we've kind of talked about it, but I do like to kind of come back around and close the show and ask the question, how do you feel that this work that you're doing in your book, The Taste of Joy, can help to empower the spirit right now? I am hoping that this book educates and inspires. I really, really hope and pray that as you read this book, it opens up something inside of you. Because I think that we have a powerful imagination and we don't let ourselves run with it enough as adults. But I think that we all deserve to go inward and figure out what that seed is that we want to plant, how we want to nourish our soul. It's not, I, this is in zero way a diet book, zero. Nothing about this is what we look like or any of that garbage. This is how do we nourish our soul from deep inside and what little steps can we take that will help to open ourselves up because we don't have time anymore to just daydream. COVID taught us that. It taught us that and it's time to shake things up and you deserve to live healthy, wild and free. And I hope this book inspires you to make that step. Yeah. To go within and figure out what that seed is. Yeah. 
and enjoy what you're eating for sure. Yeah. So much. <laughs> it makes yeah. it makes eating a whole different ball game. And stop running. Stop eating standing up. There are so many mothers that eat standing up while their kids are sitting at the table and they're eating their food. What are you thinking? Your kids learn from you and not because of what you say, but because of what you do. I mean, I notice this because I do a weird thing after I brush my teeth that I, I wipe my mouth on a towel and I go, Wah, like something. And I never knew I did it until I saw my two-year-old go Wah, right after she finished brushing her teeth. And I look like, what is that? My husband goes, what do you mean? What is that? That's you. That's you every night. So, I mean, they pick it up. They pick it up. Yeah. Be, be, the, be the reason that they're happier and healthier and wiser to themselves. Be the reason they're healthier and wiser for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, Emily, thank you so much. What a great conversation. It definitely inspires me to continue on and really make those choices for a healthier living and feel good inside and out. Yeah. Thank Thanks for, for joining us me. all the way from Malta. Thank you. Thank you for putting up with my cold too. I appreciate no it. No worries. <laughs> to your spirit. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste. So yes, we ask, what is that seed you want to plant to nourish your soul? What little steps can you take to shake things up and create joy in your meals and in your life? Be happy, wildly happy, without the fear. Like Emily, you can move out of your comfort zone and find something really fantastic, even without going to Malta to do it. Find your local farmers, talk to them about the way in which they are growing their produce, get back to Mother Earth. Definitely check out Emily's book, A Taste of Joy. Reach out to me if you're ready to create change in your everyday life and upgrade your spiritual practice. Thanks again for listening. This is your host, Tarianne Hyman, to your spirit, namaste.